we put them on. But God is good all the time. And all the time, God is good. Amen. Yesterday, we had our baptism, and it was a blessing. The water was nice and cold for the few minutes, the few seconds as you walked in, but then it was okay. Uh, but it was a blessing. Uh, I, I had somebody telling me last night, I think pastor purposely picks baptisms in January, because if they get baptized in the cold water, they're never turning back. <laughs> Um, let me tell you, that's not why I pick it in January. As a matter of fact, I told Pastor Fernie and Pastor Hulsa yesterday, when we're making next year's calendar, please remind me not to do a baptism in January. Because, man, I got to get in the water too. Um, but uh, unless I delegate that to somebody else, and then they, yeah, we can do them in January all the time. But um, praise God. It was a blessing just to get together and, and see uh, being that public declaration of faith made. People ask, what is baptism, right? And uh, water baptism is what the Bible talks about. Uh, in different denominations and different uh, 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 faiths, there's different types of baptisms. And there, you know, there's the baptism of a little child or whatnot, a little bit of water. That's not a biblical baptism. There's nowhere in Scripture that supports that. If you notice in Scripture, John the Baptist would baptize people out in the Jordan. Jesus himself went to him when he went to start his ministry. Jesus started his ministry at 30 years old. So that's when he went to be baptized. And even John said, I'm not worthy to baptize you. And he says, hey, you got to fulfill it. You got to do it. And John baptized him. The heavens were open. God spoke and said, this is my son in whom I am very well pleased, right? And so that's what biblical baptism is, full body immersion. And what is it? Why is that the thing? Well, in the book of Matthew as well, when Jesus gives the great commission, what does he say? Go into all the world, making disciples, baptizing them in the name of the, of, of the Father's Son, the Holy Ghost, right? We baptize people, and it is an outward representation of what God is doing inside. So when you get into the water, you're dry. And when you get baptized and you come back out, you're soaked. It is a physical representation of what happens when you come to Jesus. And what happens when you come to Jesus, the old you passes away. The Bible says that you are then made new. We are a new creation in Christ. A new creation. And so that's what biblical baptism is. So if you have never been baptized, or I've had several folks within our congregation throughout the last few years that come as a pastor. I, I came to Christ at the church I was at. They told me you got to get baptized. And when I got baptized, I didn't understand it. I just did it because somebody told me I had to do it. If you've never understood what it is to be baptized, then I encourage you in our next baptism, which will be, if memory serves correct, in, is it in, in, in like three months? April, right, um, is our next baptism. Sign up for it, and we'll go out there, and, and we'll be baptized, and, and it's a blessing, right? Uh, so it's part of obedience unto God. So it was a blessing yesterday. Our brother Milk got baptized, and, and it, was a, uh, it was a blessing. And um, we love you, brother. And God is doing great stuff. Amen. Um, praise the Lord. Let's get into the Word. How many of you want to get into the Word this morning? Amen. Grab your Bibles. 2019, the Lord put in our heart, was the year of love. And that's what I've been preaching about on the, on the, as December 31st, as we were waiting for the new year, I preached a message about love. The last two Sundays, we've preached about love. Now, Jesus was trying to be tripped up by some of the lawyers, right? And the scripture calls a lawyer a person who interprets the law, the Mosaic law. And they asked him, what's the greatest commandment? 
And Jesus looked at him and said, the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. And the second is just like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. In these two hang all the law and the prophets. Jesus said, the greatest commandment is to love. Love God, love others. And as Christians, that is what we're called to do. Last week, we spoke about what love is. And we read out of 1 Corinthians chapter 13 where love is patient, love is kind. Love does not boast, it does not envy, it does not seek his own. We talked about what love is. And love is unconditional. Love does not expect things in return. As a matter of fact, if you do something under the facade of something called love, expecting something back, it is not love. Love does without expecting anything in return. I love my spouse. My spouse loves me. And we do things for each other because we love each other and not because we're expecting anything back, right? Like, I, I don't go and, 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 and prepare a meal for her and then be like, well, I did the meal, so come on, you got to do, you know, X, Y, or Z. You, you got to wash the clothes then, right? Like, it's not, that's not love. Love does things expecting nothing in return. True love. Now, I want to go to Luke, because today we're going to talk about what love shows. Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10, starting in verse number 25. When you got it, say amen. Luke chapter 10, verse 25. By the way, if you don't own a Bible, get one. It's great that we use our phones and things like that. But how many of you have been trying to use your phone to read the scripture and then you get a text message and get distracted? Anybody? Or an email? Or something happens? So if you're not going to be able to put your phone on airplane mode and focus on reading scripture, and you're doing it on your device, get a physical Bible that you can highlight, that you can do, and put the phone away and pursue God. The devil is great at distractions. And so you've got to make the time to pursue God. That's a nugget, as Pastor Fernie says. Chick-fil-A nugget. Uh, but Luke chapter 10. Verse number 25, Chick-fil-A nugget, that's what I said. Luke chapter 10, verse 25, it says, And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tested him, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Now, what was this gentleman trying to do? Was trying to test Jesus. We see it again. We saw it in the book of Matthew when he asked them, what's the greatest commandment? Now, we don't, if it, we don't think or we don't know if it's the same lawyer, another lawyer, or another interpreter of the law. But he asked him, what do I need to do? And Jesus looks at him, verse 26, and says, what is written in the law? What is your reading of it? Now, we'll pause there for a second because I really feel in my spirit that we can see a depiction of the world system in this passage. What is the world trying to do? Trip up believers every time they have a chance. So the first thing that they ask believers is questions that will stir up, quote unquote, controversy. And Jesus didn't enter the controversy. Jesus flipped the table and said, you're a lawyer. What do you interpret that the law says? Many times as believers, we get into debates that we have no business getting into. 
talking about things that are not essential to the faith, that is not essential to Jesus coming to earth, living a perfect life, dying on the cross, raising from the grave, making a way for us to get to heaven. We get into this disagreements and discussions. Do we talk about, or do we believe in pre-tribulation, post-tribulation, mid-tribulation rapture? Do we believe in the gifts of the spirit being in operation today or not? Are they expired? Are they done? We get into all these things and cause all these divisions arguing about stuff that are not essential to salvation. And the devil's like, I got him again. Because we lost focus. Jesus didn't lose lose focus. He saw right through the question and flipped it and said, you're a lawyer. What do you interpret it to say? What's your reading? So listen to what the guy answers. The guy looks at Jesus and he says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Does that sound familiar? Is that not what Jesus answered in Matthew when the other lawyer asked him, what's the greatest commandment? Jesus answered, love God with all that you got, love your neighbor as yourself. So this guy had heard what Jesus said, but he still tried to trip him up, testing him, and Jesus spun it around. And the guy regurgitated what Jesus had said, and then Jesus looks at him and says, you've answered rightly, do this and you'll live. So then the guy, again, picture of the world system, he says, but he, wanting to justify himself, said to Jesus, and who's my neighbor? See, those are the two things that we see the world do. Try to test us and then try to justify themselves as to why they're doing what they're doing that doesn't allow to align to God. You know, many people believe what the scripture says, but as you would say in Spanish, a su manera, right? Their own way. They, they, they got the Frank, Frank Sinatra song and they made it part of the Bible and they want it their way, right? I want it my Come on, y'all don't know the song? Y'all left me hanging out there. Come on. I want it. Come on, yeah. And so that's what we're doing. We're, we're as Christians and we're reading the scripture, but I want it my way. Maybe you'll get this one. We wanted the Burger King way. My way right away, right? That's the new one. I'm old school. We want to do it. So this guy's like trying to justify himself. So he says, who's my neighbor? Because that way I can pick and choose, right? Who do I show love to? And then Jesus, he doesn't answer him directly. Jesus says, let me tell you a story. A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves who stripped him of his clothing, wounded him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a certain priest came down that road and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Likewise, a Levite, when he arrived at the place, came and looked and passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was and when he saw him, he had compassion. So when he went and bandaged him, his wounds, pouring in oil and wine, and he set him on his own animal, brought him to an inn and took care of him. On the next day, when he departed, he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper and said to him, take care of him and whatever you more you spend, when I come again, I will repay you. So Jesus gives him three 
examples of people. A priest, a Levite, and a Samaritan. Now, many of us have read this passage, and we don't get the deepness of Jesus mentioning a priest, a Levite, and a Samaritan. So let's understand who a priest and a Levite was and what their role was. Priests and Levites were the highest people within the religious circles of Judaism. Go to Numbers chapter 18. We're going to come back here, so leave a little marker on your Bible. I don't know if you can do that on the app, but maybe you can. And go to Numbers chapter 18. Old Testament, Numbers chapter 18. It says, then the Lord said to Aaron, you and your sons and your father's house with you shall bear the iniquity related to the sanctuary and you and your sons with all uh, with, with you shall bear the iniquity associated with your priesthood. Also bring with you your brethren of the tribe of Levi and the tribe of your father that they may be joined with you and serve you while you and your sons are, are, you and your sons are with you before the tabernacle of witness. They shall attend to your needs and all the needs of the tabernacle, but they shall not come near the articles of the sanctuary and the altar lest they die. They and you also, they shall be joined with you and attend to the needs of the tabernacle of meeting for all the work of the tabernacle, but an outsider shall not come near you. And you shall attend to the duties of the sanctuary and the duties of the altar that there may be no more wrath on the children of Israel. Behold, I myself have taken your brethren, the Levites, from among the children of Israel. They are a gift to you given by the Lord to do the work of the tabernacle of meeting. Therefore, you and your sons with you shall attend to your priesthood for everything at the altar and behind the veil, and you shall serve as I give your priesthood to you as a gift for service, but the outsider who comes near shall be put to death. The priests and the Levites were the only ones allowed to do the works of the tabernacle and then the temple. As a matter of fact, if you go into a Jewish synagogue or temple today, the only ones allowed to do certain sacraments, or not called sacraments, but certain of the things, the, the priestly bless, blessing at the end, to, to play certain instruments or certain things, the shofar, are people that can trace their lineage to the priesthood or the Levites. It's the only ones. So Jesus says, here are the two highest of the highs. And what did they do? It says that they passed on the other side. They saw it. They were walking. They saw the guy and said, let me go to the other side of the street just in case. And then the Samaritan. The Samaritan was who Jews viewed as the low of the lows. Jews and Samaritans had a racial difference and disliking of each other. We see it in John chapter 4 when Jesus ministers to the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman at the well. And the thing that she asked was, how you being a Jew speak to me being a Samaritan? She was shocked that Jesus would cross that divide. So here is Jesus telling the lawyer, the interpreter of the law, you got three people, 
to the highest of the highs and one who you consider the low of the lows. And then he asked him this question. Go back to Luke. He asked him this question. Verse number 36. So which of these three do you think was neighbor to him who fell among the thieves? Gesundheit. Which one of these three? Now, you can tell the depth of the hatred in the response. Because the guy doesn't say the Samaritan. What does the guy say? He says, he who showed mercy on him. He could even bring it up to say the Samaritan. Jesus was clear. A priest, a Levite, a Samaritan. The guy's like, the one who showed mercy. And then Jesus says, go and do likewise. Church, love shows mercy and compassion. If you can't walk in mercy and compassion, you're not walking in love. True love of God. As a matter of fact, if you go back and read Jesus' miracles... Many of them were made when it says Jesus being moved with compassion. The feeding of the 5,000, Jesus saw the multitude and was moved to compassion. So he showed love. And what is Jesus trying to tell us? We cannot put a measure on whom we love. We have to show mercy to everyone. Let me let you in on a little secret. You and I don't deserve God's love. Pastor, how can you say that? The Bible says, for God so loved the world. Exactly. Out of mercy and grace, he loves the world so that whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. Pastor Fernie and I were talking yesterday at the beach over there in, in, in Key Biscayne about what justice is. People all the time saying, oh, we want justice. We want justice. No, you don't. Justice gives you what you deserve. God's love through mercy gives you what you don't deserve. I deserve to spend eternity in hell because of my sin, because of my unrighteousness, because of me being wrong. But Jesus' love reached out and said, for that white guy, I'll die that he can make it to heaven. And we decide who we're going to show love to? Oh, that person was mean to me. Oh, that person did this to me. Or that person's a different color than me. Or that person's from a different place than me. No. God loves the world. Therefore, we need to show love to the world. Everyone. Everyone who's hurting. Man, we live in a society that's so hurting and so broken that all you have to do is walk outside and you can find somebody to show love to. That's all you have to do. Walk outside and you'll find somebody. As a matter of fact, right now, we're on the 29th day of a government shutdown where over 800,000 people are not getting their paychecks. I guarantee you, every single one of us probably knows someone who's being affected by this. Let's go show them love and buy them some groceries. Do something. Let's put our love and actions 
where our Christianity is. I'm tired of believers talking and not doing. Church, we need to show love because that's what's going to touch people. Not your words, not how good and how eloquent you can speak, not how well you dress, not how many followers you have on social media, none of that. What will impact people is love. And when you have an encounter with God, people can tell. I love our men's chat. We, we share pictures and recipes and all kinds of stuff. But this week we started our model man study. And a couple of the guys have put just different testimonies of, of what's going on. If you didn't know that's about me, I like to cook. I enjoy eating and stuff like that if you didn't know that. I'm very picky, but I enjoy it. And a couple of the guys this week have been talking about just things that they said in their life. And one person wrote, man, you know, I'm in a position of authority at work. And I've, I'm known to be rigid and tough. But the other day, one of my main people came up to me and said, what's different about you? And he said, I had no hesitation to tell him, it's God. God has changed me. People will notice and they're going to be, what, what is the difference about you? It's God. I have a friend of mine that I've known for, how long have I known Abby? I don't know, almost 30 years. More than 30 years. He serves in the Marine Corps. He retires in a few months. We were talking on the phone the day before yesterday. And he speaks all around the country. And uh, he tells me, I love preaching at churches, but I love when I'm invited just to go speak and I go and I speak and I put what's on my heart and I say it. I do the training. He did whatever it is. And then afterwards, people come to talk to me and say, what's different? You know, you don't talk like all the other ones. Your son's different. He says, yeah, it's God. And they're like, I knew there was something different. The world will tell the difference in how we show love. Do you remember what Jesus said? We read it two weeks ago. If you didn't hear the message from two weeks ago, you can watch it online. We can get a CD after service. Our CDs are free. Just ask them. They'll make you a copy. Jesus said, you've heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say, love those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who use you. Jesus said, in other words, because then he ends up saying, don't even the tax collectors show love to the people who show love to them? No. We need to go out and show love. And who is my neighbor? Whoever's in front of me. That's your neighbor. Whoever's in front of you. Oh, they go to a different church. It doesn't matter. They're your neighbor. You might be actual physical neighbors in heaven. I think God has a sense of humor. Seriously. And we're all like, oh, but they're this, and oh, there's this denomination, or they're this, that. Man, I've had people not want to, never mind. Because of denominational lines. I reach out to pastors. I I do a lot of stuff with, with, I, 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 I believe part of my calling is to bring unity in the body of Christ. And I fight for that. 
And so I meet with different pastors on different occasions. We call, we pray. I, mean, I have pastors that will come and sit with me to ask for counsel, for advice, and the same way that I go to other pastors when I need counsel or advice. And as you guys know, I like to do sports, right? We play softball games against other churches. We do different things and, and, and different things. I remember I was talking to a pastor one time. I was like, hey, you know, they were going to do some football game. I was like, hey, why don't I bring out some of our guys and, you know, we'll, we'll just have some fun. He said, well, you know, I don't know. I don't want anybody from our church to think that we're, tr- that you're trying to take our members or people from your church to think that we're trying to take your members. I was like, never mind. I don't want to play football anymore. I just wanted to play football and hopefully win because I'm very competitive. I don't like losing. Now, I, I'm so, I remember when I was a teenager, we used to play softball and most of the guys in our softball team played football. So we weren't very good. And we played in a, in this league that was all old timers that were awesome. Right? So we would get the snot beat out of us every single Sunday. I mean, Saturday. Right? But after the game, the guys would say, Hey, y'all want to play football afterwards? Let's make it tackle. And I remember we had one guy, Fernie, he's a big, Fernie Swatter's a big giant guy. He's like, let's go play football. And then we go play football afterwards and we win there. I was like, I lost in softball. Let's go play something that I can win, right? I'm competitive. I enjoy winning. But, but when they're like, on our, same thing where people would get so caught up into this little discipleship thing. Oh, let's go do so. I got to go ask my mentor. That's not biblical. That's not biblical. I'm getting off topic. Let's get back to the word. Love shows compassion and love shows mercy to whom? Everybody. Everybody. No, pastor, but you don't understand the deep lines that have been crossed and what's going on. Do you not understand what you did and how God still chose to forgive you? That enough said. I mean, you think about forgiveness. Jesus said, if you don't forgive, you can't be forgiven. Oh, where did he say that? He said it about seven or eight times. Notably, in the Lord's Prayer. Forgive us our debts as we forgive those who have debts against us. And you know what's the saddest? The actual division and the way that Christians put other Christians down. It's sad. And the devil rejoices. I gave the example a couple weeks back. Let me correct myself. Last time I talked about this, I said, Pastor John Gray was from Georgia. It's North Carolina. Sorry, Brittany. She's from the same city. So she told me after service, Pastor, I got a bone to pick with you. South Carolina. Carolina. I said it wrong again. (laughs) Please forgive me. Come on, in front of everybody, have you forgiven me? All right, good. He got blasted for sitting at the president's table talking about prison reform. You know what's sad? When the reform passed last month, I didn't see any of the people blasting him, apologizing. I didn't see anybody talking about it and giving credit. We're so quick to pass judgment and put people down, which goes against the heart of God. Because in John chapter 17, when Jesus prays, he prays, Father, that they may be one, that the world may see that you and I are one. So what does the world see? The world sees a divided house. And we are called to show love. 
And how do we show love? Worship team, come to the altar. How do we show love? We show love through mercy and compassion. Through mercy and compassion. They brought you the food wrong at the restaurant. Send it back. No reason to berate the guy. Just be like, hey, this, this isn't what I ordered. I, this is my line to the people. It's like, hey, man. They're like, oh, I'm so sorry. Look, I put it in right. I was like, I know you didn't cook it. Just get me the right one. We, 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 were, we were on vacation two weeks ago. And we went to my favorite ride. My favorite ride is one of the all-you-can-eat buffets at Hollywood Studios. It's called Hollywood and Vine. I sit there for two hours and eat all I can eat. And they changed the menu. They had churrasco now, right? So they go and they cut it. And so I get there and they, and they go and I'm like, it's like red. I don't like meat that's not well done. So I, I, I tell the young lady, the, the chef that's there, I was like, listen, can you just, you know, cut it for me. Just put it on the grill a little bit more because I like it well done. And she goes and she starts cutting it and, and she cuts it like this thick, right? It's a big thing. She cuts it thick. I was like, miss, do you, if you mind, like, can you just slice it thinly? Just slice several thinly, put them on the grill so it's well done because, you know, it's still not like that. And she's like, they don't let me cut it another way. Like, okay, but if you can just please, like, she's like, fine, I'll do it for you or whatever. And then this other chef walks by, he's like, when they ask us to cut it, we're supposed, you're right. The way you're saying to cut it is the right way to do it. And I'm like, it's all right. Just get me my meat, man. <laughs> we're good. So when we got back there, I was like, Patty, this time you go ask for it. <laughs> I don't want to fall into the temptation of having to put on an apron and go back there and do it for them. No, just kidding. But sometimes we know what's the right way and we don't allow for the Lord to work through us and then we berate people or we act in a way that's not loving. And you know what? The world is watching and testing. So we need to ensure that we're showing love and we do that through mercy and we do that through compassion. Jesus said, go and do likewise. Church, go and do likewise. Go and do likewise. Let's go ahead and stand to our feet.